Welcome to the shutdown full cast. <laughs> Two, three seconds in? Was that even three seconds in? <laughs> I am Spencer Hall, uh, editor of Everyday Should Be Saturday.com and editorial director of SB Nation. Joining me on the line, we have a special guest. I'm going to introduce Jason Kirk, our college football editor and uh, brain in charge at SB Nation. Uh, say hi, Jason. Hey, how y'all doing? And uh, we have a special guest because we've replaced Orion with Orion. Typically, this is when I intro Ryan Nanny. Uh, and we start to discuss college football for like 7% of the podcast. And then 93% of the time, we just tangentialize. We're going to tangentialize tonight, but we have to do it with a different Ryan. Because Ryan, Jason, are you aware of where he is? Uh, per sources, he's in Italy, which ain't played nobody. It's true. Italy ain't ain't played nobody. Remember, they're a dominant power in the world of soccer that relies on cheating, whining, diving, skullduggery, and manipulation of the rules uh, to get things done. So they're what? Texas? Uh, when asked about Italy, I believe Will Muschamp said, I don't speak French. Yeah, I don't speak. I don't speak ah, Italian. That's a thing, man. When somebody leans hard into not Italy or Italian, they lean into the Italian. That's when you know they're in, they're from the Muschamp belt. I feel like that's when you know that their only uh, only knowledge of anything having to do with Italy, Rome, uh, the Vatican, Catholicism, anything, anything is pasta, breadsticks, breadsticks, <laughs> the Olive Garden. Hey, don't it's a fine restaurant. Those people do good work. <laughs> good work. <laughs> so joining us and chortling from, I believe you, Kansas. You're around Kansas City, or do I have you correct? I am in. I'm in. I'm in Southwest Missouri. I'm in the Ozarks. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's uh. In, in Georgia terms, we're talking more like Macon. Whew. That's our. <laughs> that is our NFL editor, joining us from the the cloak of the Ozarks. <laughs> From Winner's Bone itself, <laughs> Ryan Van Bibber. Springfield, Missouri, which is uh, the, Queen the highest concentration I've ever seen of churches and fast food restaurants. Anyone who's yes. ever spent time in Springfield, every other facility is either a church or a fast food restaurant. It's amazing. Per capita, the highest concentration of chain restaurants in the country. I can't ask you anything you haven't been asked before, so I'll just cop to this being a lame question. How long does it take you to drive to Branson? Uh, 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Depends yeah. which outlet mall you're going to. Mm. Now, have you, <laughs> have you recently, in the past five years, seen a show at Branson, Missouri? I have not. I have not. That's I have seen many a Branson show in my existence. I was thinking about that earlier today. A time that my grandparents took me to see the Oak Ridge Boys there. And let me tell you, if you have never heard Elvira performed live, well, you're missing out. Because well, the Oak Ridge Boys, if you don't know, they had the one guy in the band who could sing really deep. And it was not the guy that you thought would. They had this big, no. they had this big scary, tree-beard-looking guy with a gigantic beard. And you're like, he's the bass. And it turns out it was like the little dude with the gigantic shoulder pads who could hit those low Ds, right? Yeah. Yeah, like real thick black hair. It looked yeah. like he would he would take you in three card money and sing bass too. Yeah, that dude carried <laughs> that dude carried a knife. 
Like in that group, <laughs> that's the guy who carried the knife. Undoubtedly. By the way, if you're interested in shows that you can see uh, currently playing in Branson, we've got a Patsy Cline tribute show. We've got Billy Dean. We have Ricky Skaggs. And we have um, Yakov Smirnov, who has a 9-11 mural that he painted himself in his theater. <laughs> I'm going to go see that one day because it sounds absolutely <laughs> incredible. So with Ryan in tow, uh, thanks for joining us. We're going to discuss, um, hopefully, I wanted to discuss the one time when college football and the NFL meet in an alley for an awkward exchange that both inevitably regret which is the nfl draft and because yes. we, because we brought him on as an expert um we'll just offer our genius for you like what questions do you have about the nfl draft ryan <laughs> from 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 nfl experts J- J- jason kirk and spencer hall um well let's see what 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 do you think looking at it from a college football perspective when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals and their secondary, <laughs> who's a good fit? Um, I'm going to say they're going to lose in the playoffs. Now, you know, they're going to they re-sign Pac-Man. They're going to have to have somebody opposite Pac-Man. Um, yeah. Okay, so do, do you want someone who, uh, who, who further uh, continues the Pac-Man lineage, or do you want to really contrast with Pac-Man? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, I guess it really kind of boils down to which what college football player is Mike Brown willing to pay for after four years of con of his rookie contract? Mm. I don't. I don't feel like this year's defensive backs. I don't feel like there's one uh, likely there's... to get in, say, a strip club altercation that no, I can think no, of. No, but I want you to consider who he's playing on the same field with, which would be Vontae's perfect. So yes, you you would be Jesus. looking. You would be looking at a player who you really want to maximize thump pac-man's a veteran he's not going to take any licks he's not supposed to take <laughs> he's not going to do anything he's not supposed to do so i think you want to balance that kind of moderation with somebody who is a car crash and cleats like jalen ramsey for instance yeah now he, yeah. he's a, he's a legitimately good football player oh yeah yeah I, uh, I don't know if he'll be there for the Bengals though right? when are they he picking won't. oh no Bengals. Are... I, I, the Bengals always they sort of always pick like twenty third, right? They're, they're, they're locked so, in you there. You are so close. They're picked twenty fourth this year. Yes, yes. I, I I'm going to recommend for the Bengals if we want to just lean all in on um, 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 these sort of sort of missile like defenders. I'm going to recommend Derek Kendrick from TCU. Uh, big, big hitter, yeah. uh, classic mm. Big 12 secondary person in that his coverage skills, they're, they're, you'll see some touchdowns, which those are fine. <laughs> um, but he, he's going to injure somebody, and he's going to play hard, and he's going to play injured too. Um, he's, he's one of those guys who uh, you just say he really likes football, and when you say it and think about it, it's kind of scary how much he likes football. Well, is he a gym rat? <laughs> Would we describe uh, him as a gym yeah, rat? So. He'll probably be like a six-round pick, so yes. Yeah, I was going to say, like way too low on the draft board, definitely a gym rat. Like You wouldn't call Miles Jack a gym rat because Miles Jack is a physical genius. So yeah, he's, a, like a, he's, he's like a gym uh, Zeus or something. Yeah. I, I have another draft question. Okay. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Who's the best player in this year's draft that has been kicked out of the University of Florida? Mm. <laughs> 
Well, that is a let's full, narrow it down to just a position. I was going to say that, that's just that's a full like thirty people who are eligible <laughs> in this. Because remember, like Florida is to co- Florida is to college football prospects. What um, I was trying to think of like a band that you know people were always in, but then immediately got kicked out of, right? Megadeth. Sure, like they are to metal, like what Megadeth is to metal, right? Or early, like, oh, they were in that band, man. They were. And they're, 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 they're G unit, Florida's G unit. They're Florida's G <laughs> unit, right? They fell out with somebody. Does this make because G unit's membership has never been the same from one month to the next. No, because somebody <laughs> like for a bunch of rappers, they have the most sensitive like biddies on the planet, right? Like G unit's mm-hmm. code of manners must be so arcane. As to make functioning for longer than six weeks a matter of like brain surgery, right? Like, oh, I didn't write, I didn't write fifty a thank you note. I'm fifty out. cent is baseball. <laughs> he is baseball. Fifty cent is like a nineteen seventy one baseball man. You didn't gangster the right way. <laughs> unwritten rules. Unwritten, unwritten rules of fifty cent. The unwritten rules of fifty cent. Um, I will of, of people currently eligible in this draft who are no longer at the University of Florida. Um, I would go ahead and take somebody who actually made it all the way. I'll take somebody. Uh, he wasn't kicked out. I guess he was kicked out by what? Uh, eligibility? I'll cheat. And I'll say, I, I like as a steal, Keanu Neal at safety. Okay, okay. Take him. That's, cause, one, that's cause, one way to put it. Yeah, because Keanu Neal, nobody's expecting him to do well. And I will tell you this, he can knock the paint off a helmet. He's He's real big, real physical. Very vicious hitter. So I, he, a diamond in the rough right there. Will Hill part two, minus some of the more colorful baggage Will Hill might bring. <laughs> See, I like sour there. Because like, when people say, you know, former Florida Gator, you think, oh, well, where did <laughs> he play his college ball? <laughs> but you went with an actual uh, <laughs> Florida Gator. I, I did. <laughs> hard to find. I did. It's, it's crazy. As opposed to the, the pride of North Alabama. I will tell you, too, by North the way. North Alabama. Hard... A hard NC part. State, NC Louisiana State, Boston Tech, College, Auburn, Auburn <laughs> a variety of places. I will tell you, too, and this is hitting on a serious point, it's very hard for the college fans sometimes to evaluate a draft or at least start thinking about the draft at all because, one, we don't really care. And, two, when you do start to care a little bit, you look at these guys and go, oh, no, he was awesome. Because they're all like, <laughs> this is the next winnowing process of 1%. You know, 1% go to college and 99% don't. And now of that 1%, you know, 1% are going to go to the NFL of that 1%. Not to borrow a phrase from Urban Meyer. I feel like the only group we're going to have any sort of opinions on as a a class of people, the college football fan, um, is quarterbacks. Yeah. Like... Uh, Christian Hackenberg has been a constant a constant subject for about three years now and will remain so um, just because no one knows if he's a quarterback like literally should he even be playing football he might be he might be really good I have no no there's no telling so like other than other than quarterback and especially like the quarterback who played like three or four years they're all fine every player is good some are, some are great, but every player is good. Yeah, or this. It, like, okay, in our current mock draft, as proposed by Dan Kadar, ding, uh, our SB Nation draft expert, uh, he has the Dallas Cowboys taking Joey Bosa, defensive end, Ohio State. Okay, Joey Bosa in college is an absolute badass, okay? And if I project, 
If I project your Ohio State defensive ends up at the next level, it just—it's not—it's not the most confident move for me. I'm not—I'm not really totally feeling it. I know, I know. We've—we've we've had. There's been successes, okay. But it's not the like big shiny move that somebody like if you have say the Jaguars drafting Miles Jack at linebacker, like oh oh shit yeah that makes sense do that. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, part of that could be like uh, Bosa's last season was kind of a dud as far as the numbers go. Like there, you know, there are a few moments when you look up and like Illinois is blocking him with four people or whatever, but <laughs> the the numbers just weren't there this past year. Um, so may, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, not to get too serious, but Stephen White. Stephen White called it with Bosa. Yeah, and, and remind everybody who did not read just, Stephen White's excellent column on Bosa. What was that call? He was just that he's you know he's good, but he's not the he's not going to be the um, the killer pass rusher that you would like to think he is. Right. I think Stephen's argument was sort of that uh, Bosa's basically already hit a ceiling. Was yes. that sort of the gist of it? Right. Yeah. We, Which, you, you want to avoid the middle schooler. Like, in every in every single situation, like, this was Chris Leak at Florida, for instance. Like, Chris Leak ended up doing just fine at Florida. But Chris Leak probably athletically peaked in high school, right? Like, he peaked his senior year. And then from, yeah. there, from there on, it was a matter of managing that talent. There was no next developmental step to take. He was not going to get taller. He was not going to get, you know, better at recognizing reads. Um, you were just going to be able to polish this thing, which was always going to be, what, an 88 out of 100, right? That was as yeah. good as he could get. Whereas if you look in this draft and you go, well, how good could Laramie Tunsil get? Well, shit, Laramie Tunsil could get a whole lot better. He wasn't asked to do anything too complex in terms of blocking, and he could get bigger and stronger, right? Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of potential growth curve left for Laramie Tunsil. I just worry that somebody like Bosa... Bosa might be a he might be the middle schooler in this draft, right? Like he was really impressive at Ohio State. That's maybe as impressive as he could get. Yeah, it's interesting. Why is it from the? I mean, this is like there's. It always seems to be a tendency with NFL draft, especially with draft Twitter this time of year. (laughs) They sort of lump anyone from a school together. Like everyone from Ohio State is. This profile, everyone from or every defensive player from Oregon is going to be eh when they get to the NFL. Every def- oh, is it is it like like every Oregon defender is going to be oh they're fast finesse guys or like like that kind of stereotyping or yeah the Dion Jordan you know everyone's going to everyone any any defensive end from Oregon is going to be Dion Jordan that's right I mean. right so they're looking at DeForest Buckner and thinking we don't yes. want another Dion Jordan right yes even though he's like you know much stouter and you know stronger and all yeah, that like, stuff. like the phrase with Dion jordan that always came to mind for me is i was like "Ooh, he's surprisingly lanky like not exactly <laughs> not what you'd want right like you know you kind of people were talking about him in the draft yeah. and i was like mm, he's a little light in the biscuits man like he's not <laughs> that is not somebody that is not somebody who when he walked on the field you went wow i bet he hurts a chair when he sits on it right Whereas, I, I think part part of that it's in specific is Pac-12 pass rushers, to me, you can go back and look at the numbers, and I'm not being regionalist here, but you can look at the numbers, and Pac-12 pass rushers don't quite produce at the next level uh, as a whole. There are always obvious exceptions, but yeah, yeah I, I sort of feel like they don't face very large offensive linemen, you know, and then you and then you then you ramp up the offensive line 
size by 20 pounds across the board and it doesn't quite line up. I mean, Buckner could be the exception. There always are, but I, I will say, yeah. I, I will say this, Ryan, in, in defense of, I, I will try to defend NFL draft Twitter as much as I can. Because, oh man. I know because you know, my natural, my natural impulse is to just back my ass up, ass up and just shit all over it. I don't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> like that's, that's my first impulse and I'm going to fight that. Okay. In order to be a, a better and more compassionate human being. And I think Jason will back me up on this, that that siloing of recruits into different kind of brands, right? Like, well, it's a defensive end from Oregon, right? Or it's an offensive tackle from uh, Alabama. They're looking for those specific categories, right? Like, they're, they have systems and they tend to crank out uh, the same kind of player. I think the schools that make it toughest for that are schools like TCU where they take tweeners or they take mm-hmm. players who might be a hybrid or might be sort of in between one position or another and then turn them into stuff. Like I don't blame anybody for being real confused about Josh Dotson because Josh Dotson plays in a system, first of all, where he's going to get the ball a lot. And two, um, he is, um, you know, he's a guy who I think in theory could probably play two or three positions. He's just that gifted an athlete. He just happens to be a ridiculously productive wide receiver within a system. So, like, when you're looking at, like, what silos to sort of pick a player out on, it gets real confusing when you get to a hybrid player. And I just think that's, like, organizationally, that's hard for somebody to look at analytically, right? Like, I think analytically you want to reduce things to simple variables for players that you're going to spend a lot of money on. And it gets really complex when you look at somebody like him or like Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman out of Baylor yeah. is another example of a player who he's in a system and he was a badass in that system. What's going to happen when I put him somewhere else? Is he going to have the same value, right? And, and defensively right. too, like like defensively, I have sympathy for that too because like I don't know what do you do with a Will Fuller, right? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a cornerback? Do I just have him returning kicks, right? Like that's that that's difficult for me to figure out as an analyst because I'm trying to reduce things to a really pitchable, easy, understandable level in terms of variables and value in football because you have 11 players on the field at any time is a lot about context. So I, I get that. Yeah, I have some sympathy for that. So, like, there's the one brand that's you know if someone comes to you and they say, hey, in this mock draft. Uh, Next year, we got an Alabama defensive tackle at like 14. You say, fine, book it. You know, Alabama starting defensive tackle in the top 20. Yep, that'll happen. There's that. And then there's also the other side, which is like, you know, this big 12 quarterback threw for 5,000 yards and he'll be like a six round pick. Does that sound fine? You'd say, eh, perhaps, probably. <laughs> so, like, there's the two sides of it where certain schools and certain conferences have sort of a track record that you just say, yeah, that I guess that works in their favor. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess against the SEC, it'd probably be like quarterbacks. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to hear what your perspective is on that, Ryan. Like, is that fair to do that? You know, like, I think Jason and I have said that, like, yeah, to an extent, it's fair to do that because schools look for, for particular types of players. Yeah, and you always see it more with, like, offensive line. I mean, the certain groups, linemen groups, I mean, you know, the, <clears throat> on both sides of the ball, there's – I feel like Alabama offensive linemen are always – 
pretty good, but they're always kind of beat up when they get to the NFL. I mean, you're always you're never going to get. It seems like you're never going to get much mileage out of them because somebody's already running pretty ragged by the time they get to, to the pros. Or, hmm. um, I wonder why like the, <laughs> the annual admission by like four <laughs> Alabama starters that they like broke their legs in week three and played through it. <laughs> that happens every like, year. I, yeah, and like I remember being really excited when a certain team took. Um, oh hell, I can't think of his name now because it was such a. It was such a grand disappointment. He was the center from Alabama in 2013. Uh, Barrett Jones. Barrett Jones. Yes, yeah. Barrett Jones. Could play all five spots on the line if you really had to. Outstanding career. And then he comes super, to the NFL, like, he's like... Super smart dude. Like, like yeah. ridiculously intelligent guy. Which you want in a center. I mean, like, yep. people... The, you, you really need a smart guy in the middle of your offensive line. And then, sure enough, he's just like, he's got foot surgery in the off season he's got to have he's got knee surgery he's got to have in the off season he just like and i don't even know i mean he might have been on a practice squad somewhere last year he's he's sort of the flip side to the russell wilson which like russell wilson if you had told college football fans russell wilson is going to go three rounds after ryan Tannehill, they would have laughed at you until you know until they collapsed because that's that's incomprehensible. Every <laughs> every college football fan would have said Russell Russell Wilson should be a top ten pick. I don't give a shit how tall he is. We would have also said the same about Barrett Jones. So only listen to us sometimes. Right, like that's. <laughs> I mean, Barrett, I'm sure Barrett Jones is still a quality player if healthy, but that's. And that's, who's that guy this year? Who's who's the guy this year that's just going to be Cardale Jones for everyone but Ohio State fans? Man, <laughs> yeah. Cardale, Cardale, because they actually they actually saw his 2015. <laughs> That's another thing with with quarterbacks. Like I feel like there needs to be some agreement between college quarterbacks and quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators and the NFL. They need to come to a truce and they need to say this and understand. Playing and this is my best analogy for it is this that everyone in the NFL at quarterback goes to law school and that you're going to, for three years, you're going to not do much and you're just going to look at a bunch of arcane rules and stuff. And then and in year four, you're going to learn actually how to do your job, right? Like no one goes to law school to actually become a lawyer, right? You go to say that you've gone to law school and then you have to learn to practice law. Right. Right? That That's quarterback. Nobody touches, nobody touches a, a case file or a docket, or sees a judge for three years. Because if you look at people in the NFL who have been successful in those first three years, it, it ain't good, and it's a lot of extremely, like, people who are so physically gifted they couldn't help but be successful within the right context, right? Like Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Like, Colin Kaepernick was so physically overpowering, so dominant, so gifted, that when he had a quarterback coach like Jim Harbaugh, right, who could just put him in a real simple system. He just went nuts. Or Cam Newton, somebody who is, Cam Newton, by the way, best college football player I've ever seen, like ever. As we said last, like two weeks ago, 50 touchdowns. Dude accounted for 50 touchdowns in a season by himself from the quarterback spot while giving significant carries to the running back. Like an absolute freak physically. Those are the people who do well. And I think like draft Twitter, if you know, I can just hedge a really gentle criticism. Everyone who wants to say that a quarterback is a failure, um, those are mostly engineered failures. They're, they're mostly failures of a system because no one should be playing a position that complex for at least three years. And end of sermon, end of 
quasi rant, but like three rants. <laughs> it's just it's just it, that hard. Yeah. On on that note, in defense of our guy King Cardale, like we saw him under Tom Herman tear apart Alabama, you know, tear apart Oregon, tear apart you know, tear apart Wisconsin. And then we saw him under this sort of slap-together multi-OC thing where they were moving upstairs and downstairs, and eventually Zeke yeah. Elliott took over, and things didn't go so well. <laughs> so I just I just throw all that out and just look at his um, his 2014 touchdowns and his tweets, which yeah, are like, good. Like, do you know the most terrifying thing to me here like, is this? I'm going to just read. where This is quarterback situations. Number two, Cleveland Browns, Jared Goff. <laughs> 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 like what I what am I supposed to do with that? You're just setting him up to fail. So like uh, on that note, like RVB. Why 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 wouldn't they just draft like, you know, offensive linemen cuz like they're going to be back here next year. Get a quarterback then. I don't why understand do they, that why either. Do they always draft a quarterback with nothing around him and then you be surprised when he RG3. dies. It's like you've got RG3 Find some second or third round developmental guy, take a shot on him, get some linemen because you lost all they lost all their linemen in the off season. And it's yeah, I don't know. There's a that it's that weird that they put that value on quarterbacks and then it's it's the expectation that because we took you in round one, you're gonna have to play right away. And if you're not Andrew Luck or Cam Newton, then to hell with you sort of thing uh, and then in three years are ruined and we're right back picking some other poor poor sucker like yeah build the nest before you put the baby bird in it Browns. exactly exactly the sam bradford rule <laughs> our beautiful beautiful baby bird bradford <laughs> still falls out still falls out of the nest and breaks his collarbone it doesn't help the nfl has a bad dumb stupid coaches yeah, oh, no, no. well, that that and this, like, I mean, on paper, the Browns could kind of have a plan, right? Like, on yeah. paper, on paper, like, oh, let our G3 play, like, you know, three or four years, and then we bring on Jared Goff, who will have learned all kinds of stuff. Like, on paper, that works. They just have to stay committed to it for three or four years. I want you to think about your decisions regarding your telephone service, home internet, <laughs> and other utilities. <laughs> how, how long... Three or four years is a real long time before you're like, ah, screw AT and T. I'm gonna go to Verizon. <laughs> so, like RG three, I feel that's one that we as college football people have a particular interest in. RVB, they say uh, Hugh Jackson is like, you know, a really good fit for him. Is do you, do you feel this is true? I mean, he's better than a lot of coaches would be. I mean, he's smart enough to recognize what players can do well. And not try to say, not try to force a player to play his way. You know, has that I mean? ever happened to RG three before? <laughs> Briefly in 2012. And then in the NFL. Yeah, and then and then what happened? <laughs> well, then the Shanahan's put their Shan got their Shanahan all over him, and, and well, you throw on Dan Snyder too. The owners, you got the owners really can screw things up. I mean, I mean, that's the thing with the Cleveland Browns. It's like, that sounds good on paper. Let RG3 do this for two or three years while Jared Goff, you know, sits on the bench, learns the ins and outs of it all. But you know Jimmy Haslam's, you know, they're going to go 4-12 four, four and 12 this year and 5-11 and 11 next year, and Jimmy Haslam's going to be furious. And he'll just blow it up again. Yeah. 
Tell y'all, fire, fire the coach. He draft another quarterback. Yeah, and that then being then saying that's two years down the road is really probably more generous of Jimmy Haslam <laughs> than anyone should ever be. Could be any minute now. <laughs> it really could. Okay, now to be fair, Ryan, what are what are things that college fans might not understand and are like overly sensitive about here? Because we we can do that. We can do the like make fun of NFL draft all day. Which, by the way, you can do because the NFL draft and and the NFL draft community and the Twitter um, they're extremely mockable. Like there's a oh. number like the cartoonish cloaked racism among a minority of NFL scouts, right? Is is one yes. thing that's extremely mockable. Another thing is the commitment to analytics uh, in a sport where so many things can go wrong. I.e., you know, oh yeah. This guy's just like a, a guarantee. Is anyone a guarantee in a sport where a helmet can hit a knee? <laughs> like, like, no, like where you have random violent collisions between large people happening on the field. No, it's it's you're going to look absurd even if you do all your due diligence. It's just and three, the willing misunderstanding sometimes of what happened in college to a player is and the disregarding of any of their success sometimes is. Um, or their failures is is hilarious to us. We could make fun of that all night. I would like to go the other way and yes. ask like like what's mockable, what's wrong, what do like college people completely misunderstand about the NFL draft process? What what can we do better for for you? <laughs> Golly gee, um, I don't really know to be honest with you. It's 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 hard to say. It's You've got, I mean, the expectation, it just players are going to have to play right away. And there's just that sort of, you know, the expectation that, well, because this is the NFL, you have to be sort of at that NFL level immediately, whether, you know, you, you, you like it or not. Or, I don't know, that's a good question. I've never really thought about it from that perspective. What about what about the notion that like college football fans just stay irrationally attached to players? Like no, the the Tebow like the like I think the least literate and most passionate example of that would be the Tebow phenomenon. Yes, he just yes. needs he just needs a chance. Yes, yes, and I, we still get emails about that. That's the best part about the Tim Tebow phenomenon, and it always happens. When did you get your I, la- When did you get your last email about the Tim Tebow phenomenon? Um, it's hard to say with email. I don't have the best track record with checking. Yeah, he would not know about, about that. I would say I probably had a tweet about Tim Tebow in my mentions, you know, within the last week. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. God damn. And then it's not like, I mean, I don't have like a tremendous amount of followers or anything. It's not like, you know, I just, you know, you're, you're going to get some in by sheer, you know, by having a wider net. It's a, yeah, no, it's targeted Tebow stuff. I don't know what it this, is. This is like somebody, like people tweeting at us, like bring Phil Fulmer back. <laughs> <laughs> he just needs a chance. He just needs one more chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the economics of it. I mean, I guess that makes a big difference for uh, for that and the the churn have, rate. Your that. sport has economics. <laughs> Wait no, money, I, I, money, I think, money can only ruin a sport. I think that's <laughs> exactly. the most irritating thing about college football Twitter when it comes to the draft is, uh, you know, you get this sort of congrats, 
our guys they're going off to get paid and you say well you know the ncaa makes nine billion dollars a year and your school brings in uh millions and millions maybe they could get paid sooner stop it that's no that's <laughs> no we can't pay the players it ruins everything education. Congrats, congrats to our guys who left in two and a half years and are getting paid though <laughs> and then there's this flurry of darren robell tweets about how they wouldn't really get paid anything yeah they'd, they'd only get paid some actual money instead of none six dollars six dollars and 78 cents i'm like well listen like, to go to like can i can i give you like the the complete like the complete counter argument to that is this is if I give if I go up and I just you know like get a sandwich right and I walk away and somebody's like, hey I need six twenty nine for that sandwich right players would only get six dollars and twenty nine cents, that's misdemeanor theft. <laughs> like that's that's anywhere else you walk out with that sandwich you're walking out in cuffs, right? <laughs> we're at least having or this we're at least having a discussion with the manager. And yet, at the amateur level, it's like, no, no, no. This is codified tradition. No, you're stealing a sandwich. <laughs> I think that's, the that's there dumb is as that's just... dumb as hell. You're just legitimating theft at any yeah. level. When that five guys manager raises his voice at you, you just pay him with knowledge, because as we know, it is as good as any currency. I'm just pay gonna... him with 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 some math problems. Some Shakespeare quotes. I go drink. I go drink three beers at Thirsty Thursdays. Okay, Thirsty Thursdays down at Sharky's in Gainesville, <laughs> right? And I go and do that, and it's like eight bucks. And I walk out, and I'm like, "Listen, bro, intersectional feminism. You're welcome. Bye." Like that's boom, boom. Just <laughs> read the wiki. I ain't got time. Just gave you an education. You're welcome. You're now three pitchers. That will be one BA in communications. You're now half woke. You're gonna have to get to the other half, bro. <laughs> like that's, it's the dumb. It's the, it's just dumb as hell. The other thing that that college fans do, besides maintaining a loyalty to players past the point of rationality, like Florida fans, I think with Tebow, are like, no, I saw him throw. It was going to be kind of a mess. Like, <laughs> Florida fans with Tebow is like like Georgians with Outcast reuniting. It was a good. It's just give it, give it another minute. It'll happen. <laughs> They're working on a new album. Any minute now. <laughs> Delivering it sidearm. Boom. Idlewild two. Like yeah. Like no. It's not happening. All right. Go. Shankonia. Shankonia. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not happening. And that like, throw that throw went a quim awry. Oh. <laughs> 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 Ooh, man, you Rosa Park that one. Damn. That is impressive. <laughs> um, I'm going to recover from that for a moment. Okay. We have some questions. We, we should. Questions. We should, we, oh, yeah. We, we got some reader questions here. Jason's in charge of all of them tonight. Jason, fire them at us. All right. So, first of all, RVB from Metro Bro Man on Twitter, DBBM52. Decipher that amongst yourselves. How long until Bears fans boo their own draft pick being selected? Uh, are the Bears known as in as uh, are uh, like we know that we know the Jets boo everything? Are the Bears up there too? Well, since they've moved it to Chicago, the Bears fans have had a little more uh, have had uh to to try to kind they're kind of like the the working man's version of the working man's Jets fans. So. <laughs> oh shit, that is 
They will boo the that pick. That is blue collar. Immediately, yeah. They will. They'll boo the pick almost immediately. But then they'll be like, then the Bears fans everywhere else will be like, this guy is going to be the greatest thing ever to happen. I can't believe that we drafted him. We are going to be so good next year. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. So they won't follow through. No, they won't follow through. And then, and then in October they'll be, like, what happened? And they'll they'll be ready to just you know send the guy packing. Are they? He's the next Shay McClellan. Is it like they're trying to steal the Jets fans' bit? Yeah, that's that really is kind of what it is. Hmm. Well, they are the second city, so it's not like they're going to yeah, be first. Know. It's not like they're going to be first with the gimmick. Hit the, hit the Alicia Keys. <laughs> <laughs> New, New York invented complaining about draft picks. New York invented booing. <laughs> no, no, everyone knows that was Philly. Everyone knows that was Philly. We can't even joke can't, about that. This is this is one we can't even give to you, New York. Sorry. I like oh, that. This, though, Chicago does have a lot. I mean, spiteful sports fandom is a pretty good tradition. I mean, there's an ingrained tradition of that in Chicago. I yeah. think anywhere in the Midwest you're going to find that. Yeah, in a yes. lot of, in a lot All of ways. The Midwest and Northeast. Yeah, a lot of that. Like, the nation left us and passed us by. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're like America's first job. We remember it fondly, but we don't go back to the office. <laughs> like Boston and Philly are our two oldest cities and they're the nastiest, meanest, crappiest places on the planet. That's why everyone goes to California and they're like, it's the furthest away from Boston. That's why it's wonderful. It's everything Boston isn't, literally. Warm, drivable. No one wants to hang out. Everyone wants to be alone. It's great. <laughs> that sounds terrific. That sounds awesome. You can get a decent hamburger. There's no good Italian food. It's a real dream. <laughs> do we have another question, Jason? We do. From TJ Ramsey 44 on Twitter. When in history were you the most confident a team with the first overall pick would find a way to screw up? Mm, oh, right, okay, okay. We, I'm going to have to go back and look at historical draft order. Okay. This year, of course, it is the Titans, right? Uh, yes. Is that correct? Okay. Oh boy, that might be this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've got some good options, but they're the Titans. That's a tough uh, question because you almost sure need like you team. almost need a time window on it. I mean, like okay, last decade, last twenty years. Yeah, because it's really, I mean, it's really easy to say like, oh yeah, I saw that Jamarcus Russell thing coming. Like, no, no, you, no, you didn't. Shut up. No, you didn't. No, you. Like, didn't. I guess he, it, he, it sort of has to be the what you thought going in. I guess. Um, I, I will state this. This year is a strong candidate because it's the Titans organization. And they've done very little in the way of convincing anyone that they're capable of doing anything competently. Okay? Like, so, like they might accidentally draft a quarterback again. <laughs> Dude, it's possible. They might, pull a, they might pull a Mike Tice and just completely miss the pick. <laughs> forget. And just forget to file a pick whatsoever. Still the greatest NFL draft moment ever. The Vikings just say nah. <laughs> the Vikings punt. just punt. We literally, we punted on a chance to pick up a position. Bye. Mike Tice stood up and said, I yield the floor, your honor. <laughs> I'm done with the witness. No further witnesses. No further picks, your honor. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I would maybe I mean I don't want to rule out I know you know Winston had a solid rookie season but that's also Tampa Bay 
And the Glazers, when the Glazers are involved in things, they don't usually work. No, not at all. They just tend to over-leverage. That's it. It's an amazing business strategy is to over-leverage everything you do by borrowing a lot of money to cover your debts. Can I actually give you the honest answer? I went and looked it up. And the honest answer for me is 2003 with the Bengals. Because if you remember, like the Bengals are a quasi-competent team and organization now, right? Mm. That wasn't always the case. Okay? Like, historically, they've been a joke. So, I think 2003, I believe, is the year when they have a chance. And they end up drafting Carson Palmer, who, over time, becomes a really good quarterback, both for them and other people. So, they didn't actually screw that up. But that was the number one team where I was most convinced they would make a serious mistake. And before that, it would probably be 2000. Because uh, let's see, RVB. You're skipping over somebody. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving that for you, my friend. Okay. Okay. <laughs> although, I, although, actually, to be fair, we traded for the 2001 number one pick. So that is correct. I, that is correct. Now, you, we, if, we, if, we if you saw the, that one coming, you didn't skip. We meaning the Atlanta Falcons, a team that Jason we, Kirk me, cares we, about. We meaning just me. I'm not. I'm not implicating anyone else here in that. For, for reasons, <laughs> for reasons I cannot understand. Uh, the other time would be 2000. Uh, do you remember who had the number one draft pick if I tell you the year 2000 RVB? Cleveland. That is correct. And who did they end up drafting in 2000? Um, the year before, 99 was Tim Couch. 2000 <laughs> <That's> was... The... <laughs> they had the number one pick two years in a row. <laughs> they did. Uh, and uh, it would it'd be Courtney Brown at defensive Courtney end. Brown. Yeah. Now, can I give you, by the way, can I just give you a, a draft where I'm not saying all of these people were failures, <laughs> but man, there are, there are some, there are some genuinely curious picks in here. Okay. The 2000 draft, <clears throat> Cleveland drafts Courtney Brown first. Okay. Which that worked out. Eh, not really. <laughs> Redskins draft LeVar Arrington. Redskins, who have the third pick, too, draft Chris <laughs> Samuels, a tackle at Alabama. And number four, the Bengals, rushing in the door. <laughs> they, draft, oh, no. they draft Peter Warwick at wide receiver out of Florida State. <laughs> Ravens make a good pick. Jamal Lewis, I know he did time for dealing coke, but he was a good running back. Ends up setting a record or two. They draft him out of Tennessee at fifth. Uh, Corey Simon at defensive tackle for the Eagles. Uh, Cardinals end up drafting Thomas Jones at running back out of Virginia. That doesn't really work out. I'm not laughing at the Steelers for this. It was a good pick, and he's a great wide receiver. He just ended up doing something stupid with a pair of sweatpants. Plaxico Burris out of Michigan State ends up getting that eight spot. Uh, The Bears, we were just crapping on him, but uh, congratulations, you drafted Erlocker at middle linebacker out of New Mexico. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, you made an error. Ten spot, you draft Travis Taylor out of Florida. <laughs> never, never, draft, never draft a Florida offensive player. Just don't. Unless his name's Fred Taylor or he's son of Fred Taylor. Just don't do it. You draft a Travis Taylor. Maybe you thought he was related to Fred Taylor. I won't blame yeah, you. Yeah, Fred's Fred's cousin. Fred's cousin. That's how you got this spot. Well, good. You got a signing bonus and you stole it because you weren't that great. I'm just gonna go like a couple sub- selectively at this point. Um, <laughs> uh. That would be the San Francisco, the the Oakland Raiders at seventeen, draft a kicker, 
They draft Sebastian Janikowski, which I'm just gonna. Say, I'm just gonna say a that's hell a hell of a kicker. That's a damn fine pick. I don't care. First round I draft no kicker. If you're gonna draft him, draft Sebastian Janikowski. Damn it, he could hit from seventy. He's an absolute miracle worker of a kicker. So the most uh, consistent Raider of the last sixteen years. Yeah. So <laughs> man, I'm not. I can't make too much fun of you for that. That was pretty. That, <laughs> that ended up being pretty awesome for you. Way to go! But that's, I will tell you uh, about this. That's seriously one of the best picks in Raider history, right? It, he's at least probably the, the only like Hall of years. Famer in the first round from that draft. Phew. Damn. Also, this was my this was one of my favorite drafts ever, both for the high the high failure rate across the board, and because Lavera News Coles, who got kicked off the team by Bobby Bowden. <laughs> Uh, because Peter Warwick stole something. That's actually what happened. Lavernus Coles fell in the middle of his 40 and still ran like a 4-5. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, he was sick fast, and he ended up having a better career than Peter Warwick. So good for you, Lavernus. I hope everything's going well for you. Jason, we got another question? Yeah, we do. This one, uh, this one, this one will be one for everybody. Uh from Jim Gbo, oh, the Gax on Twitter. <laughs> Bigger crapshoot: college football recruiting or the NFL draft after the second round? Ooh. Which RBB? Give us some sort of a sense of. I guess. I guess these days it's different because they break it up by day, so teams sort of have a chance to reset, and everyone gets sort of a. Uh, I guess there's less chance you get you get swindled by Bill Belichick if you actually have a full day to gather your bearings. Um, but after after the first round, are are, are teams panicking? Is things falling apart out there? No, I mean not really. I, you know, it's there's sort of a science to it, and even the bad teams that maybe can are lucky to win four games a season can do okay if you stick to certain things in the draft, like you know, find some offensive line. There's guards. There's guards down there that you can usually count on for a few games at least. It's, you know, kickers, punters. You can always grab those guys late and they're okay. I mean, it's not bad running backs nowadays. Running backs are a good, a good safe pick in the middle part of the draft. So it's not a crap. Sh- I mean, you can be really dumb about it and still be okay with, you know, five or six picks after the first round. I guess I'd say the two things that the NFL has going for it here are one is they have so commodified humans that they've got them all ranked that if there's, you know, this running back goes fine, grab the next one. We've ranked, ranked 87 of them, get the next one. You know, we'll, we'll pay him some money. He'll probably get hurt. We'll draft another one in two years. Fine. But, you know, this is if, if your top defensive end goes, great grab the next one like you don't have to spend time courting the next one and flip him away from your rival and you know uh, uh you know pretend you care about him as a human and all this stuff that college coaches have to do um so i i guess they've got it down to such a such a such a cold hard science that uh you know it's just yeah yeah what the, like the worst that can happen is you get your next favorite guy there's that and there's also um you know, I'm going to be honest. I forgot the other one, but that alone, that's that's a pretty pretty big advantage. I would I would say this that like the things I make fun of, the things I laugh hardest at when you look at a draft is when somebody picks like 
a college wide receiver. I would pick wide receivers based on how obscure they are. Like like sight unseen. That would be my only rule. Somebody would say, Do you have an <laughs> algorithm for that? I'm like, Nope. Nope, I don't. I really don't. I'm just gonna look for like this is what I'm looking for in a wide receiver. And I don't know how many NFL GMs understand that. What I want is a wide receiver who made spectacular catches despite playing in a shit offense. Okay? I want wide receivers who had terrible quarterbacks who put up huge numbers. And I want wide receivers who come from either small schools or so overwhelmingly powerful. Like, I think this would be a great litmus test for me if you're an NFL GM. Go to a college fan and be like, hey, man, who's a player that you can name who's on a school you can't name? Because T.Y. Hilton is that dude, right? Mm. Like, T.Y. Hilton Hilton was FIU. (laughs) And T.Y. Hilton at FIU, (laughs) by the way, was absolute fire. Like, everyone knew who he was. Like, oh, that dude. Yeah, he's on the wrong team. Like, that's, <laughs> like, go find a wide receiver, not who was on the right team. Like, Julio Jones is weird. Julio Jones is an astonishing athlete and a fantastic wide receiver who played at Alabama. He is the exception because he played on a marquee team and was awesome, right? Whereas, yeah. Whereas if you look at everyone else who's competing here, right, where did Antonio Brown go to school? Central Michigan, okay? Like, where did Brandon Marshall go? Brandon Marshall went to UCF. I am going mid-major. I'm, I'm going to find like the biggest dude on a mid-major team and be like, you are my starting wide receiver. There is absolutely <laughs> no doubt in my mind that you will absolutely rip shit up. There are, ma- there are guys in the top 10, top 15 receiving who played on major schools, okay? Uh, but then there's like Brandon Cooks. We play in Oregon State. And he's absolutely <laughs> incredible, right? By the way, I built in that rule about playing brilliantly in a crap offense just for LSU wide receivers, not for anyone else, just for LSU <laughs> wide receivers. Yeah, I, would I, draft, I feel like I would draft five deep on LSU wide receivers because they're <laughs> criminally underused. I think we have to include Odell here because it's you know it's it's an FCS offense with an NFL defense every year, basically. <laughs> I'm just kidding, LSU fans. I defend your quarterbacks all the time. <laughs> what, like, does this apply to other positions too? Is it just if you're the man on a small school, then that carries some extra? Like, There's a no, surprising I, I, amount of quarterbacks from smaller schools too. Like, yeah, this is this is the year of the the mid major FCS quarterback. Yeah, including Cal. Dude, Jar- <laughs> dude, Jarvis Landry. Basically, if you are a guy who bleaches part of your hair. And comes from the LSU depth chart at wide receiver, just take them. Because you know what their potential is? More than they've displayed. Like, if you have 800 yards receiving at LSU with that offense, you can do 1,600 in the NFL, no problem. Done. Just pick them up, right? And, yeah. if, you, and if you look at the top 10 for quarterbacks in the NFL, like, <laughs> it's, I mean, there are some majors in there, yeah. But there's also Boston College. There's Ole Miss. Shut up. Don't act like old. That's <laughs> not a major quarterback school. Look who their quarterbacks are. Bo Wallace. No, Bo Wallace is not going to the NFL. Shut up. His last name's Manning. That's the primary the most, determinant of his, of the his most success. Elite, elite quarterback of them all came from Delaware. So exactly. Yep. Flacco came from Delaware. Ben Roethlisberger came from Miami. Okay. Derek Carr's Fresno State. Russell Wilson went to two schools that didn't know how to use him, right? Wisconsin and NC State. Actually, it was pretty well understood at Wisconsin in terms of how he functioned, but whatever. 
Okay. Jameis Winston went to Florida State. Their quarterbacks suck. I didn't. They've actually been pretty good. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> but yeah, if you're like the obvious dude at a small school, take that guy. Take him. All that dude wants to do is wreck shop. So I feel Tyler this is Lockett. Good. Oh, listen. Oh, can I give you Tyler Lockett is like the premier case for me of take that guy. Shut up. Like. Like, that's one of those times when I revert to being an old-school college football fan and being like, why the hell did you not snap him up? Why was he not a first-round dra- first draft pick, right? Like, why was he not an obvious, like, get him, do anything to get him? Because all you see is a crap-ass Kansas State offense handing the ball to Tyler Lockett, and he just destroyed people over and over and over again to a degree above the standard deviation we would accept from a standard Big 12 defense, right? Everyone's going to yeah. torch a Big 12 defense. Tyler Lockett went above and beyond that. Like, guy just got open no matter what was happening, no matter what human jugs gun was throwing to him. He was incredible. I'll say Tyler Lockett was for sure last year's Russell Wilson for the college football fan. So that increases our hit rate a, a little bit because, you know. <laughs> we're, at least like 20, we're at least like 23%. Tyler Lockett would have been a first rounder on every college football fan's board without a question. I, I guess we just like the like the five nine ish guys who you know <laughs> whatever position they play that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and another one last year would have been Tevin Coleman. Oh yeah. yes, absolutely. Who you know uh, he was literally like he, he wasn't just the man on a mid major team against other mid majors. He was the man against Big Ten teams all by himself. Yeah, although there there is this by the way, and I don't really know how it happened. But you know who was ninth in rushing yards last year somehow in the NFL? And a college fan, fan would have said, no way. Impossible. Ninth, ninth would be Frank Gore at Indianapolis. <laughs> Which Frank Gore, when he came out of college, had already like blown five ACLs <laughs> on each knee. <laughs> like he'd gone through like he'd gone through a morgue's worth of corpse donated ACLs by the time he came out. We're like, nope, nope, don't touch him. That's all. Pro. Are you sure he ran for all those yards last year? He might have just been walking, and folks were like, "You know what? Respect to Frank Gore. We're he's unkillable. He's, everyone he get out of Frank Gore's way. He's thirty-two. God, that's that's like that's like ninety in running back years. <laughs> yeah, don't don't hit him hard. Watch this. Frank Gore's going to run for a thousand yards next year. <laughs> <laughs> he damn near did it last year. Is it nine sixty-seven? <laughs> like, you're like, wow, man, you just got like a series of post-it notes and paper clips for ACLs. And he's like, what? Got a thousand. <laughs> there, we'll end, it, we'll end it there. That's great. That's Pep Ham- the Pep Hamilton offense. We'll, we'll, end, we'll, 